0: We hear so much about the the greed of business, Well, frankly I'd like to hear a little more about the courage, generosity, and creativity of business. I'd like to hear it pointed out that entrepreneurs don't have guaranteed annual incomes. Before they can turn a profit they must anticipate and deliver what consumers want. They must risk their money with investments. The truth is before entrepreneurs can take They must give, and business begins with giving. And I believe business works best, creates the greatest wealth, and produces the most progress for all when we are free to follow the teachings of Scripture, give and you will be given unto, search and you will find, cast your bread upon the waters, and it will return to you many fold.
1: Welcome to episode 0.8.0 of the Noted podcast. Uh, I'm joined with by my co-host, Michael Goldstein, a.k.a. Bitstein. Howdy. Uh, Michael today had an incredible mention from Paul Krugman. Uh, yes, he quoted me from the uh, Vice article about Bitcoin carnivory. And so you, we're we're definitely part of a cult because we're both into Bitcoin and into eating meat, and we run Bitcoin
2: Core specifically. So we're we're way deep into this cult.
1: Today we're joined by fellow cult member Rodolfo Novak. How are you, Rodolfo? Hello,
3: nice nice uh, to have nice to be here.
1: Uh, so you're you're joining us from Canada. Uh, are you originally from Canada?
3: No, I was I was born in Brazil, São Paulo.
1: Wow. Okay. So that's a very different environment. You're you're going on opposite ends of the world. There. That's uh, that's
3: literally it. <laughs> I'm on the other side. Just one time zone difference.
1: Uh. So to tell us about how how you found out about Bitcoin and like what your initial thoughts were. Well, let, let me just get something in there too.
3: I'm also I am also a So, uh, I think this is the right place. Uh. <laughs> So, uh, I, uh, I heard about Bitcoin in uh, I think like 2010, 2011. It was the, the slash dot article. Uh, it was actually my business partner who shared the article with me. Uh, and uh, I read it. I'm like, okay, fine. This is interesting, but there is no way this is going to get anywhere. <laughs>
1: And uh, you you mentioned your business partner. What kind of business were you in?
3: Um, so, man, at that time, so so me and Peter, we've been working in like software development and apps and all kinds of stuff for a long time. He actually has a background in uh, in in uh, hardware and uh, subtle not uh, radar uh, like uh, redundancy machines and video process all kinds of cool stuff. I'm the dumb one. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So at that time, I was working uh, with some other fellows on uh, times uh, time series uh, search engine just to normalize data for Quants. And uh, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. This Bitcoin thing is interesting. So let me let me add the the, the price sort of you know sources for it, which were none. Uh, and so anyways we were just trying to figure out how we could just keep track of it and uh you know and and then it sort of like jumped to like you know two bucks (laughs) it's like holy shit and it was like okay this is interesting you know like uh you still couldn't get it like aside from the irc it was it was was in the ass to get it there was no good place to store it um and then you know, just keep on keeping track of it. I was still very skeptical, especially about you know some of the bugs that appeared in the early days of the source code. They didn't give me a lot of a lot of uh, 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 solace on it. So, anyways, but then I, I was still really into it. It was it was something sort of, I guess, the first time you make a Bitcoin transaction, especially transaction, especially in those days. You go like, holy fuck, like. I just sent value from here to over there without anything in between. Like, you know, Bitcoin was not explainable yet, right? Like, there was no sort of blog post talking about there was nothing, and 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 that interaction with it, it was sort of like it was really a holy fuck moment. Like, how how is this possible? Okay, this this actually works, and and then. You just can't stop thinking about, you know, okay, I can do money on the internet now. Like, I want to build stuff for this thing. (laughs) And, and, you know, like an in you are in a, you know, a heroin addiction style thing. uh, And it can't stop talking about that, you know, and driving away every friend you have because, you know, you become a libertarian-leaning person and, you know, you live in Canada. Anyways, Bitcoin is a disease, <laughs> you find new friends though, exactly at the at the leper colony. <laughs> Known as Twitter, right? Uh, it's an onset citadel disorder, um, and uh, so yeah. So you know, time starting to pass. There's yeah. starting to, feel, to be a few more things out there. You know, Electrum is usable. Uh, you know, block block X, blockchain explorer was around. So we're like, okay, fine. This is, I think, uh, me. 2011 or late 2011, we're like, fine, let's build something for this damn thing so we can understand it. So we created btclook.com. It was sort of like a crazy bubble thing where you could follow the transactions in in you know 3D.js. Uh, so you know, once you build a blockchain explorer, you really sort of okay, now I understand Bitcoin. Um, and uh, and then after that. Uh, in those days, we, we thought it was going to be cool to put the whole blockchain in Redis, so it was all in RAM. You know, the whole blockchain was like 8 or 10 gigabytes, I can't remember. Uh, so it was totally doable. And it was super fast to search transactions in it, it was really neat. Uh, and then, uh, you know, it started to to grow and grow, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to do with this. Uh, so we're like, let's make some serious projects now, let's try to make some money. Um And, uh, okay, this is money. Let's compete with Visa. Let's create a payment terminal for people to use this in retail. Okay, so we searched around, couldn't find anything that suited our needs. So we went, uh, sought after a few factories in China that could make the terminal to our specs. uh, Because we needed a QR code reader on the back. And uh, we wrote the firmware and, you know, we had a cool functioning Bitcoin payment terminal with debit cards that we made. Uh, and then we couldn't find a wallet we trusted because, you know, blockchain.info is not usable and there was nothing really that we could trust to run the back end of the system. Um, so we built uh, uh, coinkite.com, which was the web wallet, but uh, we couldn't find an HSM because the HSM manufacturers would not do Bitcoin curve.
1: Uh, you, you want to say what an HSM is?
3: Yeah, sure. It's uh it's a hardware security module. It's essentially like, a, like a, a server that that's sort of like a black box that all it does is sign transactions and it's like, good luck trying to hack it, ain't happening. So, uh, so we built one of those and then we had to build a few of those so we could sort of have them spread around the geographic locations. And we ran CoinKite for a few years. That was fun. Um, you know, like we were, I think, at the peak having about four billion dollars worth of Bitcoin in it. It was we were quiet and uh, sort of low profile, because you don't want to have a high profile when you're doing Bitcoin stuff. And uh, you know, a lot of a lot of companies were using us as back end, like if you're using CoinApult, if you're using any of the old services, a lot of those were like using us as the back end. Um And we were not in a mood of getting VC money. Uh, We sort of, you know, we were growing a lot. We didn't want to like hire more people. And, you know, like getting letters from all kinds of agencies asking for customer information, which we neither have because of the way we built the system or didn't want to provide it. You know, and we always believe in running sort of like a lawful, you know, in the open business. And we're like, you know what? Let's focus on hardware. This whole customer support business and running a web service is a pain in the ass. So we decided to close it and we close it. And I finally could start traveling without my laptop again, which was wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's kind of how I got into Bitcoin. That's
1: quite a that's quite a journey. And when did you guys close CoinKite? Oh, man,
3: uh, that was uh, probably two, three years ago now, I think. Getting close to it. Okay. I don't really keep track of time. Yeah. Uh, I think the only date I remember is bringing the, the Bitcoin terminals to the 2013 conference in San Jose. That I remember, but that's about it. I think that's when the Trezor guys were... No, they, they didn't go to US. A friend of theirs presented Trezor there. Uh, it was still sort of constant. Anyways. Yep. So uh, so it's been a while.
1: So what was the uh, first piece of hardware that you guys created? Um, I know you mentioned the HSMs, but you didn't really sell those. Uh, Did did you resell those?
3: So we thought about uh, commercializing them, but we knew that... And, and, you know, these would be like $20,000 boxes, right? Like, I mean, we had custom hardware in there, and things were epoxied and secure cases. And it it was sort of like paranoia level 10, right? And... uh, we we felt that by the time we could commercialize them, the the actual uh, um, big guys in the in the HSM space we, would already have a product by then. So we're like, you know, what this is not worth it. Uh, even though we love that kind of stuff, right? We actually have another product we've been working on that I don't know if we ever get out of the shop, but. Uh, uh, Essentially, that's sort of so. So we decided to create the complete inverse of a web centralized system, that is, die For a few years, we've been toying around with the idea of making a Bitcoin hardware wallet, and uh, we had you know prototypes of the Wazoo in the in the shop. Like there's like literally like a a box full of it, and. <laughs> And uh, you know, but the competition was doing a pretty decent job, and and I uh, you know I used a couple of them, and you know it was fine, and I I didn't want to create all the, the sort of the the software that requires to to sort of talk to it. Um, so you know, we were talking one day, and I'm like, okay, so what if we make sort of like a a one-time disposable physical cryptographic token, right? And, uh, you know, we, we tried playing around with different things, you know, metal things that you have to break and, you know, all kinds of cool ideas. And then one day I was like, you know what? Like, what if we just break the PCB? <laughs> you know, what if you just have to snap it? And once you snap it, you can't make it back um, unsnapped. And, uh, and sort of like we figured out sort of uh, then the, the, the firmware solution around that um, so, on the on the Open Dimes, we have two microchips. Uh, one of them is a general purpose sort of uh, micro, and the other one is, is a, it's a very specific uh, uh, security microchip that does a lot of uh, one time functions and it cannot be reversed. Um, so, but, anyways, for anybody that doesn't know what Open Dime is, Open Dime is a Bitcoin USB stick. Imagine you put money in. Um, you don't know the private key, the receiver doesn't know the private key, just like a bare bond. Once you pass it to somebody, they can pass it to somebody else, somebody else, somebody else, without trusting the chain uh, of trust. And uh, and then the last person that wants it can just break it and take the Bitcoins out and and load it in their wallet. But anyways, so um, with OpenDime, um, once you unseal it, you physically poke. Now, is a little resistor out with a pin and you insert into a computer, uh, the microchip is going to read that it was unsealed and it's going to make a permanent change inside the microchip itself. So even if you solder back something, good luck. Like, there is no cheating. it, um, And it's all cryptographically verifiable. How, how does that work exactly? Okay. So essentially, our chip make sure that there's a connection in that trace, right? If that connection is broken, it it changes an address in its memory by itself. And that memory address, because it's a a specialized chip, it cannot be reversed. You'd have to peel the chip, go in there, and and, and, actually, this chip also has anti-peeling protections. So it would cost you like tens of millions of dollars to try to, to do it properly in one, but that really doesn't help you because you can't, you'd can't. you have to do to all of them to make a money. So it, it really is a losing battle there, and that's how we wanted to design it. Um, so, yeah, so once you unseal it, it knows it's been unsealed. It displays on its UI. It's cryptographically verifiable with open source tools, and then uh, you get your private key and you sweep it with any wallet
1: that's awesome and so the the private key i I, i've got three open dimes myself and basically you plug this into your computer and you drop some file into it and it generates entropy based off the first x number of bytes from that file uh and at that point that private key is is generated and is inaccessible from from you but it you, it does it displays a public key and then you can send bitcoins to that public key um, to that address uh, that's displayed in an index.html file that's stored on the on the thumb drive yeah
3: so the goal, like the, the challenge in this product there's three challenges in this product um and they're they're hard ones right one is price how do you make something disposable cheap that is? cryptography for cryptography it's it's like it's rough because the the chips are expensive for that two is how can I convince cypherpunks and you know and cryptographers that you know this is this is it this is the thing and and it does what it does and and you can trust it right and then three is how can I make a granny proof like how can I make any noob go and and use it uh, and, and those things really like they they kind of go in different directions, like in a triangle, right? Um, and, and I think we we found a, a reasonable balance, right? Uh, in version two, we added the, the, the genuine uh, sort of uh, key in there of this extra chip that, that does a, a few more things, uh, so you can't fake an open diamond. Good luck doing that in a, in any. I mean, nothing is impossible in cryptography, but you know. Okay, do it. Nobody has has produced a decent uh, proof of a uh, proof of work on this, uh, aside from Twitter annoyances. Um,
1: <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I bet you do get uh, trolled quite a bit on on Twitter with people uh, with their skepticism. Which I mean is obviously it's appropriate to to be skeptical, uh, but at some point you have to accept that the the cost of um, of compromising this solution is greater than any benefit you would get from it. And so I think people lose sight of that very quickly.
3: Well, and another thing too is, you know, sorry, I'm not going to argue about cryptographic solutions in 140 characters. It's just not doable. Oh, well, you have 280 now, so... Oh, there you go, right? You know, if it was exponential, I'd go for that, but it's not... we have a like a, like a whole repo with the firmware on it and uh, uh, and a white paper describing everything that it does and everything is verifiable, right? So you can run our open source scripts to verify what the device is saying it does. Um, we also you know have in there the the whole entropy business, so so that the user user has to provide entropy, so we provably don't know your private key there is no way for Rainbow Tables to exist. And sorry, go
2: ahead.
3: This is is one of the
2: issues with prior attempts at making sort of physical Bitcoin tokens like the Casatius coin, because you just have to assume that uh, you have to, uh, sorry, you have to trust that the Casatius mint does not have all the private keys that they just uh, (laughs) that they just printed uh, on the coins.
3: Yeah. So this is the problem with, with all this sort of like previous physical Bitcoin things is that they're really cool. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, the causation coins was pretty neat, but cashless coins, uh, uh, very neat. But you can't trust any of this stuff, right? I, I mean, there is a certain reality to pre-made private keys. They're pointless. Like, what's the point of Bitcoin if I have to trust somebody? It's, it's like none, Right. Um and and the mix of, of cryptography and hardware that you need, the threshold of understanding of this stuff is super high. So that's why you don't see a lot of like you know open source cute projects around this stuff. This is not child play, like people lose money. Um you can't just get your Raspberry Pi, you know, or your you know Arduino and, and sort of make stuff that that's reasonably safe, at least not in a commercial way.
1: And on on that note, um, so I just put, you know, X number of Satoshis on my Open Dimes, and they're just part of my diversified hodling strategy of, hey, one of these cold storage solutions will work. Hopefully most of them or all of them do. But, um, you know, I, I imagine that I'll need to, sweep them in five years to avoid any kind of bit rot type problems. What are your views on that or your experiences on that? All right. So first
3: thing is open time is not designed to be long-term storage. Okay. Um, There is no bit rot in this type of micro. This is not how those things work. This is a whole other level of of memory. It's Epron memory. Um, Now, This is not long-term storage. Long-term storage has a backup, okay? If you want to use OpenDime to to create safe, secure private keys, by all means do it for for whatever, 10 bucks, okay? You can create a, a very, very safe, like knowingly safe private key. Very cool. Then get a disposable laptop that's not connected to the internet. You stick the the unsealed open dime in it and back up the private key. Please back up the private key for long-term storage. Um, Because there is ESD. There's all kinds of stuff that could happen and then money, poof, right? What is ESD? ESD, uh, it's, it's static. So you can have a static electricity, you know, and then ruins things, right? Listen, we, we made this this device to be fairly resilient, right? I mean, there's been all kinds of tweets of people freezing them, putting them on washing machines and all kinds of stuff. It's <laughs> not designed for that. It's cool. It's fun. But, you know, it's like, I, I mean, unless you're a gangster, you, you don't go around sort of like, you know, if you're a bar of gold on your neck, right? Um, so... You know, treat it like you would most electronics, right? Like keep it dry in reasonable temperatures and, and you know, it should last a long time. Um, but that's what it's not for, right? It's for commerce. So we expect people to, you know, and we see this, people go, they'll load small denominations in a handful of them, and then they'll go buy a car. They'll go sell Bitcoin. I mean, there is a ton of people on local Bitcoins preloading open dimes and then going to meet with the person so that they can have a, a, you know, a a less than 10 minutes meeting. So less than a block meeting um, and and not having to also uh, expose themselves to the to the buyer, maybe robbing them of their other bitcoins. (laughs) So you go, you meet, it takes just two minutes. You can do that even in a bus. So there is no way you're getting robbed. Um, there is there are exchanges using them as, as like a, as like warm storage because there is already all kinds of ways of doing physical custody of things securely. And you know if somebody unsealed an open time, you can see it on the camera. <laughs> you can see somebody with a push pin in your office. Wow, well, you know, he did it. <laughs> um, but anyway, so so yeah, I I can't stress enough that open dime is for commerce, not for huddling.
1: Well so even for commerce right you could imagine a situation where uh it it changes hands a number of times uh people lose track of how old it is and they might not even know if it'll work when they uh unseal it right along those yep. lines
3: well but but then you know if you're if you're getting it from somebody you're going to check it yeah
1: right so but you can if check it's, if it's been spent but you can't check if it's if, if, if
3: you know, oh, no, but it's it's cleverer than that. Yeah. So, the the way this this, this device was 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 uh, engineered is that the first part of the boot sequence, okay, if it's unsealed, it spills out the private key. And so so what happens is this: if you see, if essentially if you see lights on it, even if it doesn't go on on the computer, or whatever, there's still ways of getting the private key out. Okay. So. Uh, If it's unsealed, it spills the private key out. If it's not unsealed and and you can see the public key, it's working.
1: Okay. So you know that the private key is still there and hasn't had... Okay. So if you
3: can see the public key, you can tell the private key is there.
1: Okay. Fantastic. Uh, And so Open Dime, I mean, I I just, I, I love every aspect of it. <laughs> I really do. Um, and I, in fact, I even like the, um, the Spartan uh, packaging of it. Like it's not, it's not like a fancy corporate USB key with a logo on it. Uh, it's, it's pretty exposed. It's uh That's right.
3: I mean, we, we felt that, I don't know, it's early enough that we did not have to give a shit about marketing. So you know, this is the product that we want to make it for ourselves, right? It's it's fun, it's cool, it works, and then you know, we, you know, I'm sure that we're we're really working on a version that has a case and sort of other things. When it, when it becomes the right time, we'll move on to the next phase of the of the of the, the product uh, package. But uh, for now, it's, it's just fun to you know make something that looks like that.
1: Yeah, so I, I would encourage people, you know, go to opendime.com, get yourself some Open Dimes, if not just for the historical artifact value. Uh, and even if, if you don't have a use case for it, I think it's important to have um, Bitcoin collectibles, let's call them. Well,
3: I mean, we keep on making new versions, right? So um, you've already missed out on version version green on which was 0.9. You missed out on version one, on version two. Uh, version three, is it's not too far off from end of life. Uh, we iterate fast. So uh, if you want version three, uh, go go there and get it. So you
2: mentioned uh, you know people could use this for safer exchange. Uh, like on local Bitcoins, you said that people are using it as sort of a, a warm wallet um, in a trusted in a sort of trusted organization situation so that no one you know runs off with the cash. What are some other use cases that you know people people can use open dime for?
3: Well I mean what are the uses you can use money for? Right? It, it's it's just one of those things. You have essentially cash in hand. Somebody I forgot now who was it that said it beautifully. Uh OpenDime is the Meet Space Lightning Network it's like you know there's something special about just just transferring a cryptographic token you know without weight to somebody else in person it's it's a it's a very interesting weird experience yeah
2: when um, i first heard of open dime the one of the first things that came to mind was sort of um in, in real life a, a meet space coin join you know where everyone can get together yep. they can say you know each of us has a tenth of a bitcoin on or uh, on an open dime, throw it all in a bucket,
3: mix it up, and you know take one out. That's right. I mean, this is the ultimate privacy, right? Because there is only way of analyzing the chain on load and on unload. You could have a hundred exchanges, a thousand exchanges. you know, we're completely like dark. It's much more than even Onion Dark, right? Like, it's not even like Tor because there is some trace there that could be reverse engineered eventually. But, like, with this, there is nothing. It's like you could put some in the mail in countries that allow you to send value in the mail, and, and, you know, the other person gets it. It's also small enough that you can conceal it very easily. Yes. I mean, we all know the jokes on Twitter about uh, specific wallets. It's a prison wallet. That's right. I mean, we rounded the corners for a reason.
1: Uh, well, let's not go too far into that. But uh, it, does <laughs> underline, it does underline a point that I, I try to make fairly often is that people have, I think the biggest problem in Bitcoin is that we have the same word for Bitcoin the money and Bitcoin the payment network. And people think that to use Bitcoin the money, you have to use Bitcoin the payment network. And that's not necessarily the case. Uh, And there's all sorts of different solutions, whether it's Layer 2 with Lightning or Layer 2 with OpenDime, where you are using Bitcoin the money, but you're using a different method of payment than just an on-chain transaction.
3: That's right. You you know, off-chain solutions... See, see this is the difference that some people don't get, especially uh, BitTrash stuff. Um, Is that... If it's not on, on a block, it's not Bitcoin, okay? So if it's, if it's not confirmed, it's not Bitcoin. But that doesn't mean you cannot have a smart, clever UXO transport. So you can get a UTXO to be transported between two people, right, without using the blockchain. But it's still Bitcoin because it is a valid UTXO. It is an unspent, unspent output, and that's the key. Right? So that's why I had always a major, major beef about an, a zero confirmation transactions. If you do zero confirmations, you're an idiot. It's not Bitcoin. And you cannot, like, even if you change fixed malleability, it's still not Bitcoin. Okay. Now, if you're using other mediums of transferring that, that a valid UTXO, that is Bitcoin, right? So Lightning is a clever way of doing that you know you do lose other legs of the security spectrum right but it's still a valid uh, a valid coin right if you understand how Bitcoin works a valid coin a valid UTXO um, and that's all that matters
1: yeah so uh, we're we're also curious about your other products I, I know that uh, you open dime is not the only hardware wallet that you've created yeah
3: yeah um, so we're just working on this. We this this thing, code card. Uh, so go codecardwallet.com, I believe, and code card wallet on Twitter. Um, and if you go to the open dime shopping cart, you can pre-order this. I highly advise you to do that now because we're already past half of all the first batch is already pre-sold. Wow. Um, and who knows if we even make this again. We're making one batch and see what happens because it's fun. Um, So anyways, um, so we wanted to make a hardware wallet that could do quite a bit more than what's available, but it matched some of our security requirements. So... um, For example, uh, one of the other wallets out there, I I don't want this is not about shaming anybody or making better or worse. I mean, you know, some of the stuff there, it's awesome. I use Ledger personally for other things. It's great stuff. Uh, Trezor, sometimes not my thing, but anyways. Point is, there is two solutions out there. One of them uh, is fully open source, which is great, but doesn't use security micros. The other solution is closed source, and use security micros. Now, you know, there is no right answer to this. It really depends on, you know, what your paranoia is and kind of how you see the right thing to be. Um, so we wanted to create something in the middle and we wanted to make it cheap and we wanted to make it as sort of like kind of hackable in a good way, right? So. One of the biggest pains we used to have on Coincard was people writing to us asking us to include their scam coin on our system, right? So include this coin, include that coin. You know, some things are interesting, some things are not. I'm a maximalist. I have no interest in their stuff. Um, But there's nothing wrong with people experimenting, creating their own thing. Um, So I don't want to work on your project, but you should be entitled to work on your project. Anyways. So we wanted to create an open source wallet that would enable people to to make stuff because they don't have the hardware understanding to make a hardware wallet. Um, Code Card um, is sort of like the the balance that we struck um, in this in this um, in this space. Um, it has a full keypad for numbers uh, there. So uh, one two. Zero, and uh, he has an unknown button. So, there's uh, sorry. But-
1: Basically, it looks like a calculator, uh, a very basic calculator. Yes.
3: Uh, the aim was an 80s calculator, to be precise, um, with as much PCB uh, ap- appearing as possible. Um, you know, it has a decent display, so it has more than just one line in there. It has 12 keys, and... Um, It has an SD card because I hate backupping. So I wanted a way of creating secure encrypted backups uh, in a way that, you know, you can just go take it to the bank and leave it there in the safe deposit box uh, in a reasonable way. Um, And uh, it's USB powered, so it doesn't have a battery. That is important because you don't want your thing on, Uh, you know, unlocked or whatever, you know, in the open, uh, always, please. Um, And what we do have here, though, is is a different architecture in the whole device, right? We use two micros. Uh, Both of them are security micros. Uh, One of them, it is a one-time writing micro, right? Just like we use on the Open Dive for genuinity. Right? This one time micro that we have here is gonna have uh, both our signature from factory and then uh, user generated signatures. There is a limit to how many, but there will be some there. Why? This is why it's so cool. So uh, this device has a, a general purpose secure uh, uh, main microchip that's gonna run MicroPython. It's, it's our own sort of flavor of it. It's not too different, but we, you know, we fixed up a few things and changed a few things to run better on this micro, uh, which is already open source in our repo uh, on GitHub. And the beauty of this is uh, the boot sequence is protected, fully protected, fully signed. Can't fuck with it, uh, and that's important because you know you don't want that messed with because somebody could load something that you don't know and and that is messed up. Now this is where it gets fun you can load your own MicroPython there and have it do whatever you want it to do. But we actually, uh, you have an option to sign the whole all the bytes in the whole stack and then store that in the secure micro that's one time. So that means you can actually master software you can sign it yourself. This is for advanced people. This is not, listen, if you don't know what you're doing, don't do it because it's your money, right? Use it from factory if you don't know what you're doing. But if you know what you're doing, it's a lot of fun because you can you can, you can can essentially have a hash of the whole system, byte per byte, signed, stored forever, irreversible. And then you change the software again. You can sign it again, stored forever. There is a limit on how many times you can do that because of how micros work. But what's really neat is now it's going to have two LEDs on the front. One LED says Gen y and the other one says Caution. Those two LEDs were, were pretty well placed in a way in a PCB that it would be very hard for somebody to mess with it. So we're very uh, conscious about evil maid attacks. If people don't know what that is, it's, uh, it's when you have an evil maid, quote unquote, come You know, the Bond style CIA person comes in, uh, opens your Trezor or opens your computer, you know, installs a little extra, you know, micro in there or replaces the guts with something that records private keys or records keystrokes, closes, and then you can't tell that it's in there. And then you go all happy, you know, I'm going to buy some alpaca socks and you type in your PIN and, you know, the PIN got either beamed somewhere or got stored in it for later retrieval. So we're making it. If we are going with the case, it's going to have a translucent uh, face on it, and we have this these two LEDs that inform you if this thing has been tampered with or within the boot sequence. So you know, high paranoia level there. Um, and then what's nice is though, if you want to write your own software, you can sign it and still be EvoMade made uh, protected.
1: I see. So, so now all the shit coiners can use this as their hardware wallet, uh, to their heart's desire. To their heart's desire. They just got to know a little, uh, a little Python, uh, and that's probably one of the most widely known languages out there. So that's that's not a problem for them. That's fantastic. And uh, how did you how did you come up with these ideas? I mean, I I know that you've got s- some technical experts working with you. Um, But it seems like even the first principles architecture of it is, I want to say, like authentic and uh, creative. So
3: I guess the thing is, we we learned a lot of lessons trying to protect other people's monies when we did that. When we did CoinKey, we learned a lot of lessons. And um, we, you know, we take an engineer's sort of point of view. And uh, we don't believe in moving fast and breaking things. So what we do is, you know, we, we go in the shop, we mess around with ideas and we actually prototype them, make them. And, and uh, you know, and when they feel right, we, we show that to people and uh, get feedback and then make them and sell them. It, ultimately, we don't make anything we can't sell. That's the, it's too easy to make stuff you can't sell. That, that's the ultimate challenge. It's like, you know, does the market like this?
1: Yeah. And so far, the response has been pretty positive with Open Dime, I'd say. Um, and if you've already sold out half of the uh, cold cards, uh, that's a pretty warm response as well for the cold card.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, you know, just think about like the amount of stuff that exists, like call it accessories or solutions that exist for gold, for credit cards or for, you know, other forms of payments. I mean, there is millions of wallets out there for you to put dollars in, right? And so it, it, you know it, it's gonna happen, and we're not the last ones, right? I, I'm sure other people are coming up with other cool things. It's the really is the, the the cryptography and hardware mix barrier that really keeps a lot of stuff from from happening. It's it's hard making products that don't don't lose people's monies.
1: And so, do you have uh, some ideas about what's coming up next uh, after the cold card? <laughs> no, if I
3: if I mention that to 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 the team, I'm gonna get like probably like shot. That <laughs> um, <laughs> there is enough on the plate. We also have a few more. Uh, we also have a few more features for this device that are still in the works, okay. and we're not telling anybody unless we can make them happen. That's fair. But uh, but but there is some some really cyber cyberpunk. Um, like uh, one of these features it's um I, I don't want to talk about it because you know people get mad if it doesn't happen, but uh, if this thing happens it, it, we'll have you back on the podcast it's, uh, it's just it's just too cool. It's like we're not gonna awesome. need we're not we won't need QR uh, codes to communicate with other things um, and you're gonna be able to just use this in you know, web browser without any wires, but anyways,
1: I do wanna I do wanna plug the other products you have on your website because you've got open dime for Bitcoin and for Litecoin. Um and coin the cold card eventually would work for any altcoin, um, but the, it's on the user to implement that themselves. I
3: think we're gonna include the Litecoin right from the get go if we have enough time, just be, just because of the, the timeline is getting pretty tight.
1: <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. you also have some really cool T-shirts. Uh, you've got a T-shirt that has an Open Dime uh, PCB board on it. It looks very sharp. Uh, another one that says, don't trust, verify. Excellent saying. I love it. Uh, and then uh, you have stickers. I need to get some stickers uh, next time I make an order because... That's you can leave those around and uh, get some people curious about what's going on in the uh, cypherpunk That's movement
3: right. I, I want to get people putting open dimes in uh, in uh, you know in helium balloons and just releasing them in towns you know get those big ones <laughs> and just
1: let them go uh, a treasure right. hunt for the 21st century.
3: It is a lot of fun to drop a few here and there in the city. You know, you put a few Satoshis in it and just just leave them, forget them on a table or something, and then...
1: watch it on on the block explorer, see when someone yeah. takes it.
3: Surprising how fast that happens.
1: Really? That's funny. How? how what was the fastest it took? Uh, same day, like just just an hour later, like boom. <laughs> That's incredible. People figure out a way. Well,
3: I mean, people see a USB device, right? I mean, um, most people, unfortunately, plug USB devices that they find on their computers.
1: <laughs> you really could do something nefarious by uh, creating a, a, a fake open dime that has a, a virus on it when you plug it into the yeah, computer. You
3: know, like the bad USB used to be sort of, the you know, like an argument, I guess, that I cared. But I don't anymore because you can buy a Raspberry Pi of a display for like nothing and just use that to check open dimes. It's, it's not, it's not a big deal. I mean, if, if you can't trust USB devices between people you trust and, you know, like life gets very complicated. We, we started making a open dime verifier, uh, like a little screen with a USB on it that just checks open dimes. But you know, the market, I mean, aside from, from the usual suspects, uh, nobody else cares or wants so, you know,
1: yeah, the cost benefit, it, 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 it quickly, ha- you have diminishing marginal returns. Uh, exactly,
3: very fast. Um, but, you know, like this is this is a sub market for somebody out there. You, you know, for example, um, uh, Samurai Wallet supports Open Dimes ver- uh, uh, verifying for, I don't know, months now. Um with OTG cables. So, you know, somebody out there wants to make this product by all means and sell it, make money, you know, create
1: yeah.
3: create uh, create products.
1: And along those lines, you know, I, I just saw that Ledger raised VC money. I think they raised like 55 million euros or something like that. Um, what is your thinking on on not doing the same and uh, not following in their high-growth footsteps?
3: Well, I've been we really hate employees. You <laughs> know, it, it, it like it's all, you know, all we want to do is make stuff and and sell it. It, it. It's a, you know, we do this because we love it. Not, not because, you know, kudos to them. Honestly, I, I know Eric uh, yeah. and uh, you know, those guys do a tremendous job. We need somebody to, you know, be professional with like proper packaging and, you know, uh, recognize safe brand and and, uh, and and drive the price down of the micros that they need to do. You uh, know, it, it's hard to make mar- uh, hardware in scale, uh, I, you know, and I think they're doing a tremendous job.
1: I, I, I love ledgers. They, they do a good job. Um yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to receive mine. I, I ordered it, but it's on back order because they've done such a great job that everyone wants to get one. Well, I can't
3: make enough of the stuff, right? It's, yeah. it's like it's like Open Dime. We, we make a batch. It gets sold before it arrives. People get pissed off. They don't get fast enough. And then we're like, okay, great. You know, we'll just double the next order and we double the next order and then boom, sold out again. And then we double it again. I mean, this exponential line is going to start getting complicated.
1: Yeah, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the price, right? Because if you um, if you bought a hundred dollars worth of bitcoins, you know, a couple years ago, and you, you stored it on Coinbase, and then it's a thousand dollars, then it's like, okay, well, why wouldn't I pay thirty dollars or fifty dollars or eighty dollars for the hardware yeah. to store it on? Because uh, you know this—it's—it's it's real money now. That's right. Uh, so uh, uh, when the price goes 10x like it did over the past 12 months, it gets people thinking differently about what their uh, what costs they're willing to bear to store their coins. That's
3: right. I mean, and the world has changed like quite a bit in the last in the last five six years. You know, you have had you know, like nation state level attacks now where, you know, you have meltdown, you have, you know, like all this, this, this management stuff on your CPU, you can't trust your machine. You can't trust your OS. He, you know, it's, it's weird, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's weird to, especially if you've been, you know, a a high level nerd for enough decades where, you know, you used to trust your computer. It's it's like, I know the stack. I, I, you know, I, I, I built my OS from source. You know, I know everything that's running on top of it. I know all the services on it. And, you know, you can't trust your computer anymore. You know, even a fairly clean machine, it, when you watch Little sneech on a Mac, it, it's, it's, it's absurd. It doesn't matter how many you kill. It, it's, it's just like they keep on reproducing. It's like, why do you want my information about my fan speed apple it's like you know like no you can't have it <laughs> stop <laughs> uh, you, you know even on you know on a, on reasonable usable linux distros right I, I mean it's still like hell uh i mean we never trusted linux to begin with just because it comes so packed to stuff that it's it's rough to close it down, you know. The last resort is to FreeBSD. You know, when you're building a server to do safe things, just go FreeBSD. It comes with nothing. Everything is is not there, and then every single little part you want in it, you have to put it in. It's it's quite amazing, um, and uh, that's anyway. So 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 yeah. So if you can't trust your computer. Um, you have to look at other solutions and and cryptography and cryptographic based things uh, were not on people's everyday problems, right? I mean, you had your credit card that didn't even have a chip in most places for quite some time and you know plain site all plain text and numbers on the Meg strip and um, anyways, point is you can't trust things so. You have to protect your your data and, you know, hardware wallets are, are the next step. They really are the, the cold storage sort of in-your-hand solution. Uh, you know, Bitcoin keys are not like phone numbers, right? I mean, you can't just type them in.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you can try, but uh, that's a risky business to be in. All right. Well, it was great having you on, Rodolfo. Michael, did you have any uh, questions? Uh, no. Thank you so much for coming on. No, oh, it's my pleasure.
3: Uh, thank thank you so much. Uh, we we love uh, telling everybody about the stuff we do.
1: Yeah. So uh, all of our listeners, uh, you know, you turn off the podcast, go to opendime.com, dot uh, peruse their wares. I think that you'll see products that uh, you should at least experiment with. Uh, obviously, don't, as Rodolfo said, don't use the Open Dimes uh, to hodl on. Uh, but use it to give a Christmas, well, we're past Christmas, uh, give, give a birthday gift to a friend, uh, you know, give them a few Satoshis um, and pre-order the cold card before they run out. Uh, get yourself some t-shirts. That way, when we see each other in space, uh, we, we know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Rodolfo.
0: Jocko, what do you think about when you don't feel like getting after it? you know I put this out the other day and I think it's important all right so Rome wasn't built in a day we all know that everyone hears that but Rome also didn't fall apart overnight either it took Hundreds of years for Rome to reach its peak but it also took time hundreds of years for Rome to decay and fall apart and that is representative of life because you don't achieve worthwhile goals quickly or easily they take time they take struggle. They take relentless pursuit day in and day out. That's what it takes. But also, things don't usually fall apart quickly either. At least at first, it, it's it's a slow process. A little slip here little setback over there a little wearing down of discipline and will over time that's the thing success and failure are generally slow processes either slowly building things up or gradually tearing them down and that's why i say you've got to pay attention you have to watch you have to watch every single second because those seconds they turn into minutes and minutes turn into hours, and hours turn into days, and days turn into years. And so that second, that second that just went by, that counted. And so did that second. And so did that one. And in the Those precious seconds, you are either building or you are decaying. You are either gaining ground or you are losing ground in that second. And in every second, every second counts. so make every second